What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple H Podcast. Happy Hour Hoops. It's NBA Draft Week, boys. I, I will say, since the season has ended, we've, we've kind of been spoiled with uh, keeping our attention on the NBA here. Between the trades. It never the, fails. Just, yeah, the drama off-court with some different players, and then now we, we're already in Draft Week. So, how are you guys feeling about Draft Week? It came up quick. That's, that's how yeah. I feel. I feel like it came up quick. I, I know it always comes up quick, but NBA Finals over. You blink, and now we're talking about the draft class, and we were talking about it before. This is one of the most interesting draft classes in a while because mm-hmm. you have potentially four of the top five picks being guys who did not play college basketball, which is kind of crazy when you say it that way. You have – the number one prospect, Victor Wembanyama, who is considered generational type prospect. And then you have two other guys, Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson, where in different draft classes probably go number one overall. I know Brandon Miller has some off-court question marks, and then you got Scoot Henderson. It's a G League guy. So everyone has kind of questions in the top five besides Wembanyama. Unless, you know, you want to be one of those guys like, oh, I don't know if he'll translate. He hasn't played against anyone. Great. But really, it's crazy because we have a generational prospect. And then we've got maybe four or five guys that we didn't want to play college basketball. Maybe you watch some of the overtime elite guys. Maybe you watch, you know, some highlights from the guys you know, in the G League overseas. Doesn't matter. But it's crazy because it's, it's different than previous years where a lot of guys, it's like, oh, a ton of people watch these guys. This is just kind of unknown. This is just kind of going on scouting and kind of going on highlights of what we've seen. Unless you want to be that guy who lied and been like, oh, I watched every single game start to finish. Of So, We'll see. I'm excited. I think uh, obviously the Victor buzz is the main reason why there's so much hype around this class. But I think there's a lot of question marks and there's a lot of kind of unknowns this year, more so than previous years, which is it's going to be a fun draft class because there's a lot of teams that could add some of these guys. There's a lot of teams. The NBA is as competitive and as probably deep and talented as it's ever been. And I don't don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon. So this could be a really big uh, draft class for those, you know, kind of teams on the fringe to try to get those guys because I think you could find a lot of players after pick three, in my opinion. Maybe you can go to pick five, but after pick three to pick five, it's a lot of guys that we could go anywhere from like eight to 20. You really don't know in that range, and I think that's what makes a draft class so exciting. How about you, Jake? How are you feeling on draft week? I'm just so excited to finally get to hear uh, the Greg Popovich and Victor Wembanyama <laughs> press conference. I really am like that's yes. I will be that will be locked into that like I was any finals game when that when when it's I, I hope Timmy D's up there too. Like give us the whole like future right there because it's really like the big. I mean, there's a lot of interesting storylines. More interesting thing for me the draft night is the trades that could that could end up happening yeah. there's two yes. i think mega trades that are been heavily rumored for draft night that we'll get into later on but really just seeing Wemby like seeing this come to fruition we've been talking about this guy for a better part of the last two three years he's going to san antonio which is probably the best case scenario out of all the teams so it's just exciting to kind of see that get come forward and 
a Greg Popovich press conference is always fun. And then you put, see how, let's see him giddy. Like maybe he's going to be excited. I don't even know. Like who knows what that's even going to look like, but I'm sure it's going to be great vibes in San Antonio. It's going to be a big party tomorrow, or, uh, Thursday night. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to do draft, uh, draft talk to end to round out the show. So we'll, we'll, hit, we'll cover all our bases there at the end. Start with the news and notes. And speaking of this guy, I don't, I don't have it here in the doc, but I did just see it on Twitter before we hopped on. Victor Weminiana is throwing out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium right now. So, obviously, his life's about to change forever um, two days from now when he gets drafted in the NBA draft. But I can't imagine how cool this summer must be for him before the season starts. Like, this dude is just on the tour of all tours. Everyone giving him stuff. Like, I saw um, a sneaker page posted a picture of him throwing out the first pitch, and he was wearing these unreleased Nike shoes that Drake created, I guess. So it's just like, as if this guy's life couldn't get any cooler. Um, It it seems like he's about to have a, a crazy, you know, tour throughout the States before before becoming one of the NBA's biggest stars. And, uh, I mean, that, that must be an awesome moment for the kid. Did you see he took a picture with J.J. Redick? I don't know if you saw it. He's towering <laughs> over J.J. Redick. And J.J. Redick is 6'4". Six, 6'4". Four. Six, four, yeah, yeah, he's 6'4". He's Victor is not 7'3". This this might no. be a 7'5", seven, 7'6". Seven, I looked at that picture and I go, might be taller than seven five this is crazy because that's one thing too obviously he's doing the tour but seeing him taking pictures with other like former or current nba players is just eye-opening because now we're really seeing the height difference this guy has where it's like holy shit like this guy's a giant amongst giants and that is that is crazy with potential the skill set that he's gonna have i'm excited for Wemby, man um Jake, anything I want before we, we, we get into the juicy stuff in the news here? No, it's 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 been great. It's great to see him. Like he seems like he's a fun guy. Like just he's pretty open with everything. He's he's active on social media and like the, in a, in good ways, like in engaging ways, everything. So he's somebody that is coming over and wants to be embraced and, and is gonna be embraced as much as he really wants to be. Um, and it is staggering to see just like him holding the baseball and like you said the picture with jj it's going to continue to be staggering tomorrow night like those rookie pictures when he's standing next to a guy who's like a legit seven footer and just over top of him it's going to be crazy forever like it it is um i'm just very excited to get to it's going to be just an exciting season for him coming forward and big night big night coming up i mean that's a lot of lot of lot of eyeballs going to be on him in a lot of uh a lot of different ways Last thing on Wemby here. I'm. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm already excited to bet Victor Wemby on his points, rebounds, assists. His his very first game as a Spur. Oh, yeah. I've just oh, been. Yeah. I've I've been thinking about it already. I'm like, that's if if I'm excited for any NBA bet next year, it's it's Wemby's points, rebounds, assists, and in, in his uh in his debut. So yeah, we'll see it. It's it's going to become real. Um, we're recording this Tuesday live. It's it's going to. Come real Thursday night and uh, super exciting. We'll, we'll see what kind of suit he's in and, and all that fun stuff. Jake, uh, you mentioned being responsible on social media. We know John Morant messed up there a couple times. Easy segue. John Morant finally gets the suspension. 25 games, which, 
you know, from the comment we heard from Adam Silver a few weeks ago during the draft lottery and just some of the things we've seen on social media uh, throughout the offseason here, it seems like it was going to be a lot worse, in my opinion. John Morant gets 25 games. I feel like this could have been way worse. It's, you know, it's really only a little bit more than a quarter of the season. The Grizzlies have proven they can win while Jaw sits out games anyway. So, I don't know. I guess first reactions from you guys. What, what did you guys think of this? I thought it was kind of on the lighter side. I thought he kind of dodged a bullet, but obviously still still 25 games is a lot. 25 games is the same amount that Aiton got for his uh for his steroids or whatever else. So that's what we're that's what we're comparing. Like I like to compare the sentences all the time. It's because you see it with football how uneven it always is. Yeah. You're like there's no consistency to this. I think we're in the same situation. I don't think that that's the same offense. I don't think that's the same kind of detriment to the self, not even to the league and the team, which Ja I would say arguably has done more damage to the image of the league, his team an organization than Aiton did in this scenario. And I'm only comparing it because it's the same amount of games. And to say that, yeah, I think it should have been a little heftier. I don't know if this is really going to matter. Like it said, matter to them. If they go 13 and 12 and he comes back and he's awesome. Is this really going to affect? And there are other provisions that are in line with the suspension that he has to, he has to achieve before, you know, being, even if he makes it to 25 games and doesn't get whatever the provisions are, we're not privy to them at the moment. Um, he won't be able to return to the team and everything. But why would we trust what the league and the team had done at this point to like support this guy? Like he's he made the same mistake twice. We got the toy gun excuse. Now there's a thing coming from his camp that says the media is out to get him, which is insane because there's nobody else flashing guns on Instagram that is an NBA all NBA talent. So I don't think anybody's out to get you, bro. Like I think this is a pretty yeah. standard affair, and I think any criticism is fair when you're acting stupid in the public. That's just how being a celebrity is. Um, so I think that this is a little light, and I think it's been a trend for Adam Silver in these moments with big-time superstar players to kind of go easy on them. And th- like we talked about a year when this first came out, we talked about this is this is an incident that you cannot let keep happening and you should set a standard here and make him, if somebody needs to be an example of fucking around on social media, then John Morant might need to be the person. They didn't do that. They didn't set an example. They didn't do shit. They coddled him for eight games, brought him back, let him fuck up again, and then only suspended him for a quarter of a season. I just think it's a bad precedent to set because we talked about it setting early on and this isn't it. Yeah, I I think it's super light. It almost feels to me like this is kind of like a warning suspension where Ja Mm -hmm. has had a bad track record where it's been, like you said, didn't learn his lesson the first time because obviously he did it again. And this is one of those situations where I feel like this is 25 games. It's kind of like, all right, Ja, we're letting you off easy this time because we know what you can mean for this league. Before all the off-court issues with Ja Morant, he was considered one of the most exciting players in basketball, and he still is on the court. He was considered one of those young guys who's going to be the face of the league going forward, and obviously a lot has changed since then. But this is kind of a situation where I feel like it's almost like a little slap on the wrist where like, all right, Ja, you're getting off easy this time, 25-game suspension, which – now it's not a you know a, a tiny suspension. That's almost a third of the season. That's going to affect the Grizzlies a decent amount. That's that's really going to hurt them. But still, for what John Morant did, and like you said, for kind of how the image looks in the league, it just feels very light, and it almost feels like this is kind of a warning. A, a, a hey, 
we're giving you this suspension. Get your act together. Figure it out because we want you to be a future in this league. We want you to be someone that people want to watch because he's an exciting player. He's that type of talent you don't see every year. But we'll see. I feel like this could be something where, you know what, if, if, if he has his 25 games and then he's good to go the rest of the year, we don't really think anything of it. And we're like, all right, maybe that was you know a kind of a good move in that part of we're not going to be too harsh, but we're going to give this guy another chance. But if Jack gets in trouble again, then we could see something, I think, really, really serious to the point where he could be out of the league. Yeah. And it's such an interesting situation, too, because, Jake, I like that you brought up Adam Silver because – he he has you know flip flopped on his discipline to bigger market teams as as a whole, and then True. you know star players in general. And it was so weird, like the comments on draft lottery night. He made it seem like we were going to see a year long suspension mm-hmm. or a suspension until he takes you know indefinitely until he takes some sort of courses. I mean. The, the way he, his tone was and that he, he brought it up and then said he didn't want to talk about it, you assumed it was going to be more than 25 games. So he's obviously playing both sides of the fence here where he realizes, you know, how polarizing Ja is for many different reasons and how, you know, how much of a huge market he's made the Memphis Grizzlies since he's come into the league. So it, it is it, – it's just still surprising to me that it's only 25 games. But something – interesting to me is the second half of the season next year for both John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies is going to mean more than the last three years have meant for this organization and individual because you know say Ja comes back after the 25 games and they were already playing well without him they get off to a good start they're in the playoff picture without him and he comes back and doesn't do the gun thing on social media again but his behavior doesn't change What's stopping the Grizzlies from saving their own image and saving their own franchise and, and core that they have right now and trading John Morant? I mean, I don't think that's out of the question if he can't, you know, if if there's some in-between piece where he can't get his act together completely, but he's not doing anything that's going to remove him from the court. Like if he, if they just still see that he has the same attitude and he hasn't changed, I don't think that's out of the question. So if you're John Morant, you, you really got to, you know, kind of keep to yourself during this 25 game suspension block out whoever you got to block out and i think move on at this point like i'm seeing stuff earlier this week about them saying it was uh it was the the gun was like a lighter it acts as a lighter he uses it in his house to Mm -hmm. light candles like it just at this point it's like dude it's over you should probably start to think about what what you can do next to improve and and help the grizzlies win and i you know i know that that might sound insensitive but how you know how long are we going to do this for also if you really is a gun lighter was then it's just stupid to have a gun lighter because was it worth it was your gun lighter was it fun to light those candles or whatever your cigars or whatever you were lighting with your gun lighter was it worth it was it worth the 25 games and 17 however millions of dollars you have lost whatever that total is it's crazy it's if anything he's just being like just an idiot and that's what he needs to get suspended for to just be smart him and Zion. It's crazy. It's crazy yeah. that these two in this same draft, and I don't think it's an accident. I think it's social media. I think it's a lot of star power, a lot, a lot, a lot of success and fame and money and everything early on in your life. It's it's all a lot of trending things, but it's just crazy because like 
two or three smarter decisions and neither of these guys are we're not even talking about them we're just talking about them as basketball players nothing else maybe not zion as much for other things but it seems like all of his issues are related to maturity and it obviously that's where we're at with jaha too yeah and you know I'm, i'm glad you bring up zion because i had in the doc that we could talk about some trade rumors today Zion trade rumors have picked up heavily in the last few days because, uh, you know, there's been reports that upper management in the Pelicans organization are not happy with, you know, the things that have come out on social media the last couple of weeks with Zion and, and, you know, obviously him dealing with his own off the court stuff. And then obviously, you know, there's probably some built up frustration of him not being able to stay on the court as well. So there is rumors you know, what, that the, uh, there are players on that team that are not happy with Zion, obviously. That I also don't work with them anymore. Zion doesn't has shown he doesn't want to play for him. I yeah. really, I truly believe he said that. it. So he literally I, said yeah. it. He did, so yeah. that's why I don't blame the other players for being like, <laughs> no, screw this guy. He doesn't want to play for us because the Pelicans flashback a year ago at this time, or maybe a little bit later in the summer, we were talking about him as a sleeper team to maybe go to the finals. Yep. They have a great core. They had a great team, and now you have that guy who's supposed to be the you know that generational player you have, and he doesn't even want to play. He doesn't even want to try. And what pissed me off, and what I think pissed a lot of people off, is when you would see him in warmups, like, dude, this guy looks game ready, mm-hmm. and then he's just sitting there on the sideline. And now you have the off the court issues as well. But it's it's one of those things, Dunny. It's like, and that's I think the hardest thing. You have the talent of Zion, right? You have the talent. The health is a concern. The health is always going to be a concern with Zion. But I think a bigger concern, too, for teams that are going to have to trade because it's not going to be a little bit. You're still going to have to trade a lot to get Zion. That's crazy. The big question for those teams is, like, is this guy going to buy into our team? Is he going to buy into our culture? Is this going to be a guy that's going to not break up the locker room? Because right now we look at a team that's good, like a New Orleans team, and you have players coming out there. You have Zion who's, you know, pouting, saying he doesn't want to play for this team. And it's like, what team wants to trade that much away? Because you're going to have to give up a lot to get a guy who's not only very injury prone and hasn't really shown that he can stay healthy for long periods of time, but also could be a locker room cancer. That's a big, big decision to make. And I get the potentials there. I get the talents there. But that's a question you got to be asking yourself is, is he worth it? Is mm. this guy worth it? Do we want to, you know, put all our chips on the table for Zion, who, if we go back a few years, could be the next big thing in the NBA? Yeah, how how quickly time goes, right? Yeah, you know, right. Zion, he's already, you know, people were giving him the benefit of the doubt for a little bit with the injury, mm. and now when Man, he's the thing on is, when he's doorstep. on the floor too, he's like unstoppable. I know yeah. that's the thing. We've seen him when when he's when he's a hundred percent and he's good to go. He's he's got to be top five. Yeah. He has oh to yeah. Be. When Without he's when he's fully healthy and good to go, and we haven't seen him. He's putting up like peak. 30, 13. And he's putting up Jokic numbers, legitimately like Jokic stat lines running point Zion. And then he just can't sit. And that's the thing. Like, if it's maturity, if it's just that he needs to just grow up and focus on like because that's the problem right now, right? Like, if he has no incentive, uh, unless he actually cares about being a great basketball player, which remains to be seen at this point. Right. He has no incentive to get better. He already got paid. He has 175 million, no matter where he ends up, whether it's New Orleans, Charlotte, New York, whatever team trades for him, 
he's got the money. So it's really like what matters to you, Zion? I think Ja wants to hoop. And I think that that is that might be the saving grace for that 25 game suspension. Going back to that is that missing basketball for Ja is like the biggest thing. He's been sure. very honest about that. Zion, I don't know if he cares, man. He might just yeah, be dude. in it to get that You're bag right. at this point. Like he's like he he had it. Think of how easy like Zion's life. He was playing against nobodies, right? Like just dunking yeah. on this, like kids our size, like all the time. Goes to Duke, has it pretty easy at Duke. Sits out for a while. Sits out too. for a while too. Yeah, has it pretty easy though, and then shows up and has to be a professional. He might just be like, I don't, I'm not about this life, bro. Like yeah. he's never really. It's not like he was AAU circuit. It's not like he was professionalized right. in any sort of way, like all these other prospects are or anything. And he just got to the league and is and it doesn't help that it's New Orleans either. Like, mind you, if he went to a better situation, maybe Zion's already the star he is. New Orleans has perpetually been a mess for years, ownership, coaching-wise, everything. But, man, like, it's just crazy to see, like, a guy with all that. Like, you, you, everybody gets so mad because you hate to see the fumble of the talent. But I feel like it's the professionalism that's hurting him over and over again. Oh, yeah, man. It's and it's just big... like – Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's it's all of it in one. And, yeah, you bring up a good point about, you know, he never even had to have a drive for the game. Like, he's just so physically gifted. Like, we look back and laugh at those videos of him in high school where, like, people are, like, scoffing, trying to guard him <laughs> or, like, like, looking back at their coach, like, you're seriously putting me up against this kid? Like, that's how easy it was for him. Yeah. He could jump out of the gym at age 14 it was dunking over everybody. Then he goes to the best college basketball program imaginable. You mentioned he sits out. They don't really, for how talented that team was, they didn't really impress anyone that year. And they then lost the taco fall. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then here we are. And, you know, he, you know, we're, we hear rumors that he loses the weight. And then we see him on the court and we're like, it doesn't look like he lost the weight. People are saying he's healthy. We're seeing him in warm-ups, like Steve mentioned, throwing down windmills. And then he's like, I'm still not ready to play. Teammates don't like him. It, it's just – it's a it's a really sticky situation for Zion. Um, at, at this point, I, I don't know how much of last year was actually injury or it, right. it just him not wanting to play. And if it was injury, I hope he gets healthy because as an NBA fan, we want to see him out there. But it, it I don't think – you know, maybe he makes it and plays the first few months for the Pelicans, but I don't think Zion Williamson ends next year in a Pelicans jersey. No, and, and that's what I was going to say. I think it's the biggest red flag when you have a player of Zion's talent level and his teammates are like, I don't want to play with this guy. Mm -hmm. That's when it's a big red flag. It's not like this is just some role player, like, oh, he's a locker room catcher. I don't want to deal with him. He's a diva. I don't want to deal with him. No, this is a guy who has a potential to take this team over the top, to make this Pelicans team from a good team to an elite team, and the players are like, I don't want to deal with this guy. That's a big red flag for me because maybe it's not just a New Orleans thing at that point, right? And that's where I think the biggest concern is, is like if Zion doesn't kind of change that, then what's going to happen with the next group of teammates? That That's where i have the big red flag where like do you really want to risk it for this guy for this potential for this you know potential talent to have on your team when you have you know play, other players being like i i can't i can't do it i can't i can't i can't deal with this guy I can't play with this guy this guy doesn't believe in us this guy doesn't want to play for us that's a red flag to me when other players are like that 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see with Zion. You, Steve, you made your bold prediction last week that, you know, he could be getting traded to the Big Apple. That's and a team that would take the chance. Yeah. It <laughs> they sure would take is. a chance to make a splash like that. And, um, I wouldn't be surprised, but you know we'll talk a little bit more about Zion when we get to our draft stuff uh, at the end. A little t- little teaser there, um, but yeah, it, it's a weird situation. Like I said, I don't think Zion will be a Pelican by the by uh, the end of next season. So we'll see. Other news: Michael Jordan sells his majority stake of the Charlotte Hornets. Kind of surprising, kind of not. Um, it feels like MJ is, you know, almost forgettable at times that he's um, a, a partial owner of the, the Charlotte Hornets. I think the, the craziest thing to me is he bought it, his stake for $275 million back in 2010, I believe, and then sold it for $3 billion. Uh, and PFT on part of my take was talking about this, but he was like, that just goes to show you that like buying a sports team in today's day and age is almost never a bad investment because he didn't do anything with the Hornets. The Hornets have not done anything like less than nothing since 2010. And he just made a disgusting profit. He made $3 billion for giving a bag to Gordon Hayward who got injured every year. Like all they've done is draft LaMelo ball in the last decade and a few extra years, and he turns it into $3 billion. Um, more of a crazy story than anything. I, I, my initial thoughts was maybe we start to see the Hornets get blown up and them go in a completely different direction. But, yeah, just a, a crazy money move by MJ. That's why he's the GOAT. MJ, I said there's no way – like this man now – like what he should just go buy an island. He needs to buy an island. All he needs on is a golf course and he and an a land and an airport so he can fly his friends in. They could just gamble there. They could they could have his own casino down there, whatever. That man's gonna disappear. Like MJ yeah. sell it. He's been se- yeah. trying to sell his mansion in Chicago for since I moved here. There's been rumored, there's been talks about that that mansion being for sale in Arlington Heights. I'm assuming he's not gonna live in Charlotte. Like, I just imagine we're just going to see pictures of, like, Jordan on golf courses and at resorts or at beaches or just he's – we're never going to see him. And he just has his own island that he's going to live on. So, good for Michael. Cash out. I mean, between Jordan brand and the Hornets, the man is a billionaire a couple times over at this point. Yeah. God bless, man. Can't, God yeah. bless. Can't blame him. Can't, can't blame him for that. No. <laughs> can't at all man uh sh- shout out michael jordan i yeah. I, I do <laughs> i don't know why but i i almost walked it back I, I left the tweet up but when i tweeted out that he sold the team i used the mj crying meme and then i saw the numbers and i'm like dude this guy's probably as happy as crying he's ever tears been of joy yeah crying tears of joy right there daddy <laughs> um so yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Good for Michael Jordan, and we'll see. It it should. I think Hornets fans should be excited about this because, I mean, most of the time, especially in today's NBA, when there's new management, moves start to get made, or at least big change starts to happen, and I'm sure Hornets fans want that. So, we'll we'll see in Charlotte. Last piece of news here before we get to the big trade and our draft talk. Bradley or that was a teaser. 
not that yet. Draymond Green declines his player option for the Warriors. It was exciting for a few minutes. And, you know, obviously Shams could be wrong, but Shams quickly reported that he thinks this is just Draymond and the Warriors restructuring a deal um, for him to ultimately return to the Warriors. I'm still living on my little island where I think he's going to Detroit just because I have this gut feeling about it. Uh, what, what do you guys think about Draymond declining the deal? I'm in line with Shams. I think that if he was stay, I think that uh, I think that that's been the report, at least the reporting that I've heard and read at this point. But it also makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Like Draymond's going to get a guaranteed three to four million or three to four years probably out of this, which is probably a longer deal than he was looking at. I'm assuming he already has, you know, tampered plenty. Rich Paul has tampered plenty with the rest of the teams that would be interested in Draymond. They know what his market would be. And what better, you finish your career with your team, with this team. If he goes three years and gets paid, you know, what What, what was the player option? You had it down. I can't remember what the exact price was, right? Or it wasn't on here, but I don't remember what the option was. I think it was like $27 million 20, or something, 27.5. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, I think you're exactly So right. say he signs three years, you know, $60 million or something like that. That really helps a, a cap-strung uh Warriors team who has a lot of financial decisions to make and Draymond was one of the biggest things. I really think that there, there's there's Pool Clay Draymond big contracts. I don't know if Pool's going to be long for there, but this Draymond thing if he's if he's willing to take a lesser contract to keep Jordan Pool around, what a turn of events that would be. But that- <laughs> True. True. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you guys. All I'm going to say is Draymond will look nice in Maverick blue. That's all. That's the only thing else I'd Yo, say. Yo, Draymond, that. there's a lot of fun teams. If Draymond does yeah, decide well. to up and leave, like, there's a lot of fun teams I think he could he could end up to. Donnie, would you pay Draymond? All this rumors about Vooch, all these rumors about Porzingis, wouldn't you rather just spend that on Draymond Green? Yeah, I... Yeah. I hate, Vooch, I hate the Vooch. I hate the Vooch proposition for oh. you guys, by the way, too. If that happens, I was talking. I was, I was, oh my my dad brought that up to me the other night. I'm like, I don't want Vucevic anywhere near the Boston Celtics. <laughs> that solves nothing. That solves zero of the Celtics' problems. Uh, I wanted Vucevic in 2017 on the Celtics. I don't want a, a washed up scoring big that's. He's basically an Al Horford that's. Offense is slightly better and defense is much worse, in my opinion. Yeah. No, so I don't. I, yeah. I don't. I like. I don't know. Like, unless you know, Brad knows something that we don't, and Al's quietly going to retire, or Al's getting moved. But I don't think that's the case. I don't want Vucevic. Uh, Porzingis, I would rather than Draymond Green. I just don't. I, strictly for the vibes, like Draymond has spoken out countless times about how much he hates Boston and the fans are racist <laughs> and that's true. all these things. It's like, I don't think he would want to come here. That's I would take true, him. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I just don't – I don't think he'd be down for it. Um, He's also but, yeah, part of our, the, the LeBron mafia, which is anti – Which ever, that's why everybody was like, oh, Chris Paul to the Celtics. I was like, there's no way LeBron yeah, is no. letting Chris Paul go to the Celtics, man. There's no shot. So it's, I was – one of those things. Yeah, a little off topic here, but I'll keep it with uh, Draymond when I round yeah. it out. I was prepared for all of the Celtics rumors this summer, but some of them have just been so bizarre, man. Like the Chris Paul one, like I saw 
trading Marcus Smart to the Suns for Chris Paul. It's like, who in their right mind would do that? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I just I like Marcus Smart too much, but that just seems like a bad deal. You're getting yeah. one year of Chris Paul who couldn't stay healthy to end last year, and you're giving up the defensive player of the year who just started to become like a very good playmaker. True. Um, and that yeah, then the Vucevic deal and everything. But all that said, our Monty Jake's mutual friend Brett texted me the other day. It was like I would take Draymond in Boston. I would too. I honestly think it would be a really good fit. Probably the toughness that this group needs. But like I said, I just I don't think he would be down for it. But I I would do it if if you know if Brad wants to give Draymond the money and, and try to win a couple in Boston for Draymond. Hey, come through. But Shams is probably right. It's probably boring. He's probably going back to the Warriors. But I think it's going to depend on a lot of different things and, you know, what they do with everyone else on the squad because they definitely need to make improvements. What I think with him, though, is like that maybe that deal is even smaller than what I'm thinking because he's he's looking he might be looking at it from the pool like bird's eye view and be like, I want to be remembered here like as a legend, not as the guy who punched a teammate. We flamed out and then I left and and had a terrible end of my career. Right. Like even if he goes, even if he plays terribly, like by the end of his career. He's going to be beloved if he stays at Golden State at this point, if he stays for this yeah. last contract. So I wonder how much of his legacy and that kind of thing goes into this con- like conversation. I wonder if that's where his head's at now, too, because remember this time last year, we're all like, oh, Draymond said he wants money next year. He wants mm-hmm. a bag. He wants a- another extension. And it seems like since he punched Jordan Poole and his image kind of got a little messed up from that, it almost seems like he wants to repair it. And he's like, okay, I got to stay in Golden State. I got to get back to the championship with this group. I got to make amends with the young guys on my team. I'll come back on a team-friendly deal. That's mm-hmm. kind yeah. of where I'm at with Draymond as far as uh, you know analyzing his situation because, I mean, his agent literally came out last summer and was like, Draymond wants a payday or something along those lines. Because remember, there was the whole yep. Kings thing and mm-hmm. um, all these teams were interested. So I would love it if Draymond had that same energy just because I think we talked about it last week. J- Draymond would have a huge market if if he did come out and say that you know he's declining it because he doesn't want to go back to Golden State. Um, so I would love to just watch that pan out through the summer, but yeah, it, it's more more likely than not he's going back to Golden State. Um, do you guys ready to talk about the big trade here? Oh yeah, <laughs> the There's trade. trade. <laughs> <laughs> just a small one. Just uh, All Star Bradley Beal to join Kevin Durant and Devin Booker in the on the Phoenix Suns. Matt Ishby has been the GM for for four months. And he's acquired KD, beefed with Jokic on the sidelines, and then traded for Bradley B. And fired Um, Monty Williams. And fired the coach that made the finals. What a start. (laughs) What a start. This man is on fire. It's insane, man. I, I mean... Where do, where do you guys want to start here? There's so many things I could say. What, what are you guys' initial thoughts? What are you guys' thoughts now? I mean, it, it's it's a weird deal for me because, I, A, I think they didn't give up that much. 
They really didn't give they up. They really traded like Bradley Chris Beal. Paul for Bradley Beal. Like if they, you're just rocking lineup. They, they eyes. traded they traded one more year of Chris Paul, mm-hmm. a second round pick. I think it was a pick swap, and then Landry Shamat, which is like you could have said Steve instead of Landry Shamat, and that's the same. That's the same type of deal there. It's like, all right, yeah, it's a guy who's gonna wear street clothes for most of these games on the wizard side of the bench. But they didn't trade much, but I still look at it and I'm go, is this the right fit? Is this the right direction to go? I look at the Phoenix Suns and what were the questions we had about them at, at the end of last year? It's like they just don't have depth. They don't really have, you know, defense either out interior or on the outside. And it's like Bradley Beal doesn't bring you that. Bradley nope. Beal is just a scoring guard. Yeah. And you already have two players who are much better than Bradley Beal at what Bradley Beal does best. And I'm not saying anything against Bradley Beal. I like Bradley Beal. And I think we were talking about this a little bit. Maybe Devin Booker turns into kind of that hybrid point guard shooting guard because we've seen that when Paul has been hurt, Devin Booker has stepped up and he can play that role. And I think the Suns would be comfortable having him play that role. So maybe that makes a little sense there. But I just don't think adding another guy who's a scorer who probably would need 15 to 20 shots a night to really reach his full potential of what he can bring to a team is the answer for the Phoenix Suns. Now, if they get maybe a trade DeAndre Ayton and get a package of maybe they get depth and some guys, this deal could look a whole lot different in, in a couple months. But right now, when I look at the Phoenix Suns, yeah, you added a, a, a star. I'm not going to call him a superstar, but I'll call Bradley Beal a star who can be a great scorer at times, an elite scorer sometimes, and he's had seasons like that. But you added him when you already have two guys who are already better at that. Yeah, he's an an incredible third option scoring, but he doesn't really bring anything to this team, which has been the big question marks of the big holes of this team from previous seasons. I don't think the Phoenix Suns are done. I would be shocked if if they are done and they're rolling out with this team because they basically have no bench, no depth whatsoever, and they have a center, which they don't really know what to do with, with Aiton, who's taking up a monster um, deal as well. So I don't think the Suns are done. It's hard to really evaluate this trade when the team I don't feel is complete or it's not going to look the same as it will on opening night come next season. However, Bradley Beal's a great player, and once again, the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they're they're gonna be a, they're gonna be a force because they got three guys who, at any given night, could score thirty points on you. And now a lot of teams don't have that type of you know they don't have that type of privilege or they don't have that ability. However, right now the fit just feels weird to me, and I, it's not like it's a bad deal because I think they won the deal. I don't think they gave up a lot for him, but it's like yeah, I don't love the fit. The conversation that we're having about about the fit and the basketball fit, not just us, but in general, feels a lot like the conversation we had around the Nets team. And it was fair conversation then. A lot of high usage guys didn't know how it would work, whatever. That didn't work because of basketball reasons. Or that didn't end up not working out because of basketball reasons, though. There were a lot of other reasons that didn't work out. And they were Kevin Durant's big toe away from beating the Bucks and maybe going to the finals that year. Sure. So I do think that this blueprint can work because Kevin Durant and everyone's like, why is Kevin Durant doing this again? He's getting two scores, getting the super team. Because he probably thinks it would have fucking worked if the guys didn't go crazy on him. He probably thinks, man, if Kyrie and Harden weren't tripping, we'd probably would have won a title. I wouldn't even have to be here. Like that's probably what KD is actually. If you put your mind 
in Kevin Durant, if you think about where Kevin Durant's perspective, Kevin Durant's perspective is, uh, he has every right to feel like that because we saw it happen in front of us. Like he hits that three, who knows what the course of NBA history is for the Bucks, for the Nets, right. for for the Suns, in in general, like a lot of teams. So the fit, and it is different because I don't think Beal is Kyrie or Harden, and that's he is not that level of talent. He's not either of those kinds of guys. I do think we talked about, you mentioned Booker being the hybrid point and everything. And I had have seen people push back on that saying, is that the best use of Devin Booker or whatever? I'm like, it might not, maybe it isn't the best use of Devin Booker, but is it the best use of Kevin Durant? But is it the best use of Kevin Durant? Who's a top 15 player of all time. Like I love Booker. He's awesome. But if he's the number two and he's a playmaker and Kevin Durant is your number one because of that, I think book's going to be okay with that. Like, I feel like yeah. he's going to be good with that. And the Aiton thing, I think, is the biggest, like, unsaid. Like, we didn't right. – it's the biggest elephant in the room, not unsaid thing. We're saying it right now. He is going – that move is happening. Like, that's where they're going to get their depth. They're going to move Aiton for two pieces and a pick maybe to try to fill this out. Dunny, DeAndre Aiton for Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> How's that feel? I don't think I'm willing to give up Rob for him, but – if there's some way, you know, you sign and trade Grant, you give him Pritchard, mm. you give him Brogdon, I'd be down for – and like a second, I'd be down for something like that. I don't think I could do it with Rob. And I'll tell you why. I think if Aiton hadn't had the emotional situation where, you know, he's beefing Monty Williams – you know, teammates calling himself the like visual evidence of him taking plays off against Denver and just like mm-hmm. letting Jokic rebound in front of his face. I'd be all in because Aiton, the talent, I think, I think he needs a change of scenery anyway. I do think Definitely. Um, he has a lot more of great play in his career, but it just, it almost seems like we'd be doing ourselves a disservice if we send them our defensive anchor, probably one of the best defensive players in the entire league for a guy who doesn't play much defense and has had these, I don't want to call them off court issues. Cause it could have all just been with Monty Williams and he's gone now. So I, and I like to give him the benefit of the doubt cause he's a young, good talent. Um, but I just, I think robbing that deal would be too much, but I would not hate the Celtics exploring that at all. Would not hate that. Uh, I'm, I'm in, just, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I'm in agreement with everything you guys have said so far. Uh, my biggest thing with this is I don't get why so many people can't grasp that two things can be true at the same time. Because, Steve, you said it. Like, obviously the Suns won this trade. How they pulled – you know, the, I also assume they're only able to pull this off because of Beal's no-trade clause. The For Wizards sure. really put themselves in a bind with that one. Yeah. Uh, his contract yeah. is huge. He had can a no I jump, trade Can clause. I jump in on that quick again, yeah. too? Because it's the yeah, crux. It's a little tease. I'm, I'm writing about this Friday about the Wizards in Portland and holding on to your star players for too long. Because we've been talking about that they should trade Bradley Beal for the last, since this podcast started <laughs> every summer. The Wizards aren't going anywhere. They should probably trade Bradley Beal. And they don't do it. They don't. And, and then you sign him to the extension, give him the no trade clause, which he would not have needed. He would have just taken the Supermax and you right. end up with this. Like you could have had, and maybe, the, 
and even the thing, the fact that the CBA changed and superstar trades, like the bigger picture thing is that superstar trades might be just less than they ever were last summer. And maybe mm-hmm. last summer was the peak of the market when Rudy Gobert is getting seven first round picks. And maybe that's when you should have traded Brad Beal. So it's just like, it's just Washington. <laughs> like, fuck it. Like Washington is just hilarious. They're just a hilarious organization. Anyways, that's all, that's the only aside I wanted to make there. Donnie, continue. Yeah, and to your point, like, they're about to get Chris Paul, and they're going to have to get rid of him. He doesn't want to play in Washington, bro. And they probably didn't even want him. So, like, the best asset you got from this is Chris Paul, and he's going to have to walk. And now you have no superstar. You really have no assets in return. It's just a – I guess you have spending money going forward, but it's, like, even more of a complete rebuild than we thought Washington was going to have to go through – they kind of showed some promise, too, with Kuzma and Porzingis last year, both outplaying expectations. And now they might have to move those guys because it doesn't seem like that's the right move to hold on to both of them. Happy you um, mentioned Kuzma because he was liking a lot of Bradley Beal yeah. and Kevin Durant content. And there was a lot, that was of, a lot of mutual likes going on there. That, that, feels like, that feels like the guy standing outside the circle trying to peek you know, yeah. pop his head in and be like, hey, don't forget about me. The one connection between all four of these guys, though, is all Team USA. All very, all yeah. heavily involved Team USA. That's where the Beal Durant thing I know came from. And that's where Durant, mm-hmm. like, it's just Durant just wants to hoop with guys he likes. Like, it feels like maybe he's just like, yeah. Kyle Kuzma fan is like, get over here, man. Let's go ball. Like, I don't even, I don't know. Kevin Durant's team building is interesting for sure. But keep going, Donnie. Um, no, what I was saying before uh, that though was I don't get why people don't think two things can be true. So obviously the Suns won the trade. Mm-hmm. Beal is an amazing addition to any team, really. But at the same time, which is also true, and people can't uh, admit to both things. Their defense is bad. Their lack of depth is bad. And one of the craziest takes I've heard was Colin Coward said, uh, you know, all these, he was going down the list of like the Bucks, the Celtics, the Miami Heat. They got all like, they were all in like the bottom half of production from bench last season. It's like, dude, that's not the production from your bench isn't everything. It's having a specific player on your bench that can step up in huge moments that's not going to show in an average of the course of a season. Like, yeah, the Celtics didn't have great bench production, but you brought in a guy like Malcolm Brogdon for a reason. And the Miami Heat, it's like Caleb Martin was the reason they made that playoff run. He was a bench guy to start the year. Max Struess wouldn't have started in the playoffs if it wasn't for Tyler Hero getting hurt. He stepped up. He had a great playoffs before the finals. I know he shit the bed in the finals, but he was another reason. Everyone's harping on the saying that you don't need a good bench if you have this star power, which could be true, but also to the – the key to building a great team is to have great bench players on that great team as well. The Denver Nuggets don't win the NBA Finals if Christian Brown and, and um, I don't know why I can't think of it right now, and Bruce Brown aren't on that team. Yeah. Like, it's just you need guys like that. And the most interesting thing to me is that the only role player that was part of this deal that the Suns sent away was Landry Shamit. And in game three, or game four, excuse me, of the Nuggets Sun series. He was their third leading game. scorer. Yeah, the three point game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Durant at 36, Devin Booker at 36, Shamit had 19, and the next closest was Jock Landale with eight points. Hey. 
and Shout you just out my guy Landale. So it's like, Landale. but hey, if you're replacing, so that game, that game, if you could, you could expect thirty and thirty from Booker and Durant in a playoff game, and then you just replace Brad Beal with Landry Shamit. Hey, that's not yeah, bad. It that's what I mean. Bad. Like, I I get it, um, and I do think you know they won the trade. They're probably going to be great. They're probably going to be better than last year. But this idea that their good bench or their lack of bench depth doesn't matter or their lack of defense doesn't matter is crazy to me. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's mattered. It's mattered. It's the reason they lost the fucking finals was because they yeah. didn't have a center behind the eight. And it's been right. a problem for years for them. You're and they, they, right. they're just refusing to acknowledge that. That's the big thing <laughs> no, with the they, Suns. Yeah. And this is what happened in the Kevin Durant deal too. And I, I still think it was a great move getting KD – but look who you gave up for, Katie, and look what they did in Brooklyn. Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson were both phenomenal when they got yeah. to Brooklyn. And those are two guys that are the perfect type, type of guys. Now Bridges has stepped up and looked like a star. And Cam Johnson, we didn't see this in Phoenix. We didn't expect him to play as well as he did in Brooklyn when he got there. It's just like he averaged over like 16 points a game in Brooklyn. Mikael Bridges was like 25, 5, and 6 or something like that. It was with Phoenix, it's like, yeah, you're getting all this star power, but you've had the same problem for three years, and instead of kind of acknowledging that and trying to solve that, you're just like, we're going to get another superstar and see if it works. <laughs> and, and that, to me, I don't think is the answer. And like I said, if they trade Aiton and maybe they get some depth in a package form, maybe my answer will change. But it's like, yeah, you won right. the deal. You won the deal. You kind of fleeced Washington with what you gave up to get Bradley Beal because I think everyone thought he was going to go for a lot more. Mm-hmm. And your team didn't really improve, though, in my mind. That's that's where I have the big issue with it. It's like, yeah, you won the deal, but you got someone where, like, yeah, Bradley Beal's great. He's a great player. But I don't know if it really took your team to that next level. That That's the big issue. For sure. Yeah, pe- people people tweeting out asking if Phoenix is already the title favorite after the trade was made. It's like no, outrageous. probably it's still just, Denver. It's yeah, still Denver would the... beat them in five. Denver would beat them in five <laughs> well, because they, they you just got beat DeAndre Ayton so for know. fifteen yeah. minutes against Jokic. Good they, luck. They did just beat him in six, so I don't know about that. Yeah, but it took it took a ridiculous like playoff. yeah, and now they have a better and now they got a better guy with them. That's all I'm yeah. saying. There's a, the, the West is going to be wide open outside of Denver, and I think Phoenix is best positioned out of all those other teams. I think that's yeah. what it helps with. I, yeah. I it is just such a weird one because like unless it's, unless playing. we're talking OKC like that, which yeah. is you can you can talk to me about that or Portland depending on what the fuck they decide to do because they could be really interesting if they wanted to be, or they could be really boring. I mean, there's there's some teams that can make some moves, but who else are we talking? I think yeah. there's a lot of teams in the West could switch things up. The Lakers before. probably are going to be around. Lakers are, yeah, they'll be there. I mean, last, it, it, I last thing I'll say about it, obviously, I think they're a, a good team, great team. They have three phenomenal players. Um, I, I don't think anyone's trying to say that the, the Phoenix Suns are bad. And who knows? You know, by the time we even – get on the mics next week, they could have traded Aiton and they could have those role players that they're dying for. And then, you know, they'd probably be the the second favorite out of the West. I think Denver, no matter what move they make, unless they somehow bring in like LeBron James or something, or if they were to somehow be the team that gets Draymond, I don't think they're going to start next season as the title favorite over Denver. I also think the Aiton thing's going to be hard to accomplish. Like I heard Nick Wright say – 
what if you trade DeAndre Ayton's contract and get three role players on ten million dollar deals in return? It's like that's not okay. that easy to accomplish. Yeah, you, where yeah. are you getting that? Find from? find the team. It, it, if you think about the Ayton teams, there's not it's not gonna be teams banging down the door. It's gonna be a lot of hard negotiations. I feel like. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, Ishbia, I think, still has uh, some work to do as far as this offseason. And if they roll roll out with Aiton, you better hope he uh, he likes the new head coach. And uh, that gets us to draft talk, guys. Draft two days away. Thursday, the Wemby sweepstakes are over. He's going to be going to San Antonio. Um what are, what are you guys' thoughts here? I mean, we talked about – I know your guys' thoughts because we talked about it a little before we hopped on here. It's it's going to be one of the, the weirdest drafts ever. There's more names that I don't – I shouldn't say don't recognize, but there's more names that I don't really know much about the players' games yeah. in a draft probably since I was like 10 years old. Um, it's, it's just crazy that this is the – this is what the draft is probably going to be like going forward. A lot of guys that aren't coming from college ball, whether it's overseas or, you know, the different leagues that you can play in now to, to get yourself to this point. So it's interesting outside of Wembenyana to or Thursday night. It's going to, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. For me, it's more, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, for me, it's more like the NHL draft now and everything with, like, the junior leagues and everything else. Like, you have yeah. guys that you just, like, don't have as much opportunity to see, like you said. Um, you know what's really <laughs> helped me give me, like, a perspective on this draft for the whole year is, like, 2K created draft things because I've been looking at them all season long, like, as they've been updated, starting new things. Like, you see, like, at least get an idea of the draft fest. Like, I wonder how many kids, like, only know of people from that like from those or like a TikTok or something like that like the way our younger generations are going to find out about these prospects is completely different it's going right. to be like guys that get hype are going to be completely different guys and like you said there's a lot of guys that are getting drafted super high that no one in the american public has seen i think steve you're, you were talking about the thompson twins who i think we both yeah. think we're high on but i've never watched an overtime elite game like at, from start to finish so no, i don't know from start to finish no it's it's just highlights and anyone can look good in a highlight reel, right? Yeah. And I'm I'm just going off what people are saying because there's been a lot of chatter about Amen Thompson. I they're both supposed to go top, you know, six probably very potential. They could go four and five after the big three. But you know, I think Amen's a little bit above his brother. Yeah. And there's been a lot of hype about him, but look who's sitting at four. It's the Houston Rockets. Do they really need a guard like that? No, that's not the point they need. So we're looking at potentially the Rockets probably trading down, trading out, maybe trying to get something for that pick because it's still a valuable pick because there's that unknown, there's that potential there. But then if you scroll up too, the only team that's not trading in the top five is the San Antonio Spurs at one. The Charlotte Hornets could trade that pick. The Portland Trailblazers could trade that pick. The Houston Rockets could trade their pick. And Detroit, Detroit, who was banking on trying to get the number one overall pick, now yeah. they fall to five. You could see that. So we could see one of the most wild NBA drafts where there's so many guys that the public fan – has clueless about and don't you worry all everyone will get on there they'll be texting on their twitter being an expert saying oh i i love this pick i i watch this guy you know how they do in any draft nfl draft is really when they're notorious for it but everyone's will be like oh i love this guy but the fact of the matter is and i'll be the first to admit it 
we didn't watch a lot of these top guys, one through six, one through seven, potentially play full games. I love college basketball. There's a decent amount of college basketball guys in here, but this is one of the rare times where there's not a ton of college basketball guys at the top. Yeah. Yes, Brandon Miller's there, but Brandon Miller's got the biggest question mark of everyone. And no, and no, and no one wants to hype him up. No one wants to and talk no, about Nobody it. wants to. Everyone's trying to just ignore it, forget no it. But that's a, that's a huge question mark because we're looking at what? Just a, a guy named John Morant who's showing, uh-oh, it doesn't matter how talented they are. If there's off-court issues, there's off-court issues. And they don't typically just go away at the snap of a finger. So you look at that, and Brandon Miller, I think, by far, is probably the most, you know, not hyped, but best college basketball prospect, or at least that's how it looks like right now. Obviously, there could be guys who kind of come out and once the NBA season starts, it's like, oh, how did we miss this guy? There's a couple names I do really like more in the teens. It's kind of sleeper picks. Chris Murray is one of them. Keegan's brother played at Iowa, kind of plays the same style of game. I really like him. Another one, too, who could just come off the bench and score Jordan Hawkins at UConn. Champion has a lot of potential there. There's certain guys like that. There's other ones. But right now, it's crazy because we're looking at the top five of six picks, right? If, if it goes this way, if it goes the way, and I know trades could change everything up, but if it goes Wemby, Scooter Miller at two, three, whatever order you want to do it, and Thompson, Thompson, and then maybe, I don't know, Cam Whitmore at six. We have yeah. Walker out of Houston maybe at six. You're looking at the top four guys out of six being guys who didn't play college basketball. And if you want to throw Brandon Miller in there, even though he played college basketball – Five of six guys with kind of question marks, regardless of, okay, we didn't really watch him play. What's what's going to go on here? Like, what's the level of competition difference going to look like? Also with Brandon Miller, like, we know what his question marks are. It's just crazy because these are five, six guys that have potential to be huge players in the league. Especially, like, when people are talking about it, Scoop. Miller could go one in a different year if Wemby wasn't in yep. this draft class. That's three potential number one of our picks. You don't see that, but this draft isn't getting as much hype as previous drafts outside of Wemby Yama. He's, he's the exception to the rule because there's just so much unknown here. And I think that's what I love about the draft because if it's unknown yeah. for us, I think it's going to be a lot more teams taking chances, whether that is making trades, trading down, or saying, hey, we're going to try to go get our guy. And I really love that because I think we're going to see a lot of very, very, very talented college basketball players fall to the teens, maybe the early 20s, where you maybe don't need a lottery pick to get a guy who normally would be a lottery pick. And then we are going to see where which teams, because I really do think we're going to see multiple trades probably in the top six, seven picks this year where teams make deals because they're going to go for these guys. Cause they're like, you know what? Maybe you can see a lot of amen Thompson, an overtime elite, but we did. And we love what we see. We're going to go after him. And I think it's going to set up for a chaotic, but also a very unique and beautiful draft class because everyone, the only thing we've been talking about for four months is Wemby. Guess what? After Wemby, there's 59 more picks to go. <laughs> so, so it's like that. What's Wemby is the least of our concerns this draft because that's the only one we have locked in stone. We know is going one, and then the rest is just craziness. Because, like I said, you don't see this where four of the top five guys 
might who go might not play college basketball. That's crazy to me. It is, and I, I'm I'm glad you brought up the trades because I think I think I'm just gonna predict this. I think this I think this draft we will see the most trades throughout the lottery picks that we've ever seen in an NBA draft before. I, I I'm right there with you, and. Jake, I know you want to talk about this because we brought up Zion earlier. Like, what, what's stopping a team like Charlotte for trading for Zion Williamson? Man, Charlotte is that it's so interesting because like they have three, like three, honestly, they're all good options, kind of, right? Like, in a way, they all have pros and cons to the options, but all good options. You take Scoop. And you, that's the biggest, that Scoot is the highest ceiling, I think, of this, of all these options, because Scoot seems to be like a guy that everybody is in agreement is going to be a surefire NBA star. He has the talent and has the work ethic and has the maturity that we're, what we're talking about there. Like he's a guy you can build a franchise on. He's going to get better at everything he does every year, whatever. So you take that guy usually, but does he fit with LaMelo? If you get him, is there a trade market for LaMelo? Maybe that's the big surprise is that Charlotte drafts Scoot and then LaMelo Ball is on the move in the lottery to who knows where, maybe, maybe to Portland, who knows? Maybe, maybe that's where, maybe there's something like, like, I don't know, like what that's like the domino effect of what Charlotte decides to do really is going to, it's going to be crazy because if they take Miller, then Scoot's available at three. Then your port, then Portland. Oh shit! Like now we have Scoot here. Can you really have Scoot, Dame, Sharp, and Simons? Like what trade. is you got to trade don't one of trade them? The third pick, and you don't. And they, they, they've right? said they said Portland is just telling us everything because it's draft season. They're like, well, we don't want to trade Dame, but we can't trade the third pick. It's like you can't just have four <laughs> guards and just throw them out yeah. there. So they have to, even if it's a smaller move, maybe even they move Simons and bring in a big or something like that. Portland's going to have to make a move at some sort. And you guys brought up Houston and, and Detroit. Both those two teams thought they were going to have the number one pick. Like both those teams were ba- yeah. basically banking on Wemby shots. I think Houston and, and both those teams seem like they want to be good next year. Like at least not good, but competitive. Houston's not taking a Thompson. There's no way. No. There's, Houston- there's no way that fits. They have to trade out of that, right? For all we know, Houston so. sends like number four and gets like Harden and Tobias and like some crazy package or something. Like I could see like all these creative like sign and trade deals coming in. Like who knows what? Like because there's it's quiet right now now too after the last couple of days of craziness. Now it's getting quiet again. But really, when it comes down to three, Dame, if you're Portland, if you're Portland. And Scoot Henderson is there, or Brandon Miller is there at three. I just don't see how you can keep Dave anymore. And I, I understand, like, unless uh, unless you have a trade, like he, that team needs to be. If if you're gonna keep him, you gotta make the team better next year, and they gotta be a playoff contender at the very least. And that means trading three. I think if they keep Dame and keep three, and even if they do a Simon smaller trade or whatever else. I just think it does a disservice to both whoever that third pick is and to Dame because it's the two timelines thing we talked about with the Warriors, except they're not the fucking Warriors. So, like, why do we think it's going to work for the Blazers here? It's just a mess. And I think that maybe they're sending out all these smoke signals because they know what they're going to do. And that's going to be the real shocker is at three when, you know, Damian Lillard gets traded uh, in the the lottery or number three gets traded for – 
Pascal Siakam or something like that. Like whatever kind of trade is out there that we're not even thinking about. I think it's probably in the Blazers' best interest at this point to trade Dame instead of the three. I agree. Yeah. I, I think you, you yeah, I think you should have last year. It's the same yeah. thing as Beal. Should have done it last summer. Maybe should've three years. But also, yeah. it feels like Dame's more willing to be moved now. Yeah, it also sir. feels that, that those that, that flirting with the heat has been very loud since he mentioned yeah. on the podcast literally told <laughs> yeah. us very loud, <laughs> almost since, intentionally. Yeah. yeah, since he shit on Boston and then and then said he wanted to go to Miami. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I just I think for all the reasons we are talking about how interesting this draft is, probably makes it pretty damn hard to get a good return compared to other years for a number three pick. Like, I don't know what the return is this year for a number three pick because of all the question mark. Obviously, if it was the number one, which San Antonio would never do because you have a chance at Wemby. You don't have a chance at Wemby at two or three. You don't know about and the you don't rest know what of these teams guys. want. Like teams are going to be waiting to see what happens with Charlotte. That's the thing. Like if, yeah. if teams want Scoot and Scoot goes at two, they're going to be like, "Well, we're not trading. Why are we trading up to three? We don't want Brandon right. Miller." Like there's, and, there's and, there are got to be teams in both those. There's camps. some teams that won't want to take the risk on Brandon Miller. They're mm-hmm. like, "I'm not going to yeah. pay that package." So that's the thing. If Scoot goes two, I think it makes it so much harder for Portland to trade that pick. Yeah, I think it makes it a, a thousand times harder for Portland to trade that pick. Because now you have a team that's like, all right, we're willing. We have to a give up a big package to move up, to take on a risk. Yeah, and it makes it harder to trade Dame if they draft Scoot because everybody's going to know you're going to want it. Basically, going to be like, oh, you want to trade Dame now? You have all these guards, yeah. so you're they're they're working from a disadvantage at either of these trades, and they put themselves in this position. Yeah. Thursday night's going to be interesting, man. Yeah, it's got anything else on the draft here. Well, I'm just interested in Charlotte. What they mostly just what Charlotte and Portland do because they're bad organizations. So I really think yeah. they're probably going to do something stupid, actually, and it might benefit the teams trading with them more than the them themselves. I think it's exciting specifically for Charlotte because of the new ownership thing. I think mm-hmm. I think what a time to do it and at the NBA draft trade for Zion yeah. and put Lamelo and Zion put, bring them home. Yeah. Yeah. And like they've Carolinas. Had, what is up with like oh my god, I just thought of this too. If Charlotte takes Brandon Miller, like think about the track record of their team. It it was uh James Bug Knight last year fa- fell asleep with a with a gun on his lap. All the stuff Miles Bridges has gone through the past years, you know, and, and his trouble yeah. with the law. If they take the shot on Brandon Miller, bro, like this it, it could just be a bad look for the franchise in general. Yeah. Um so yeah, maybe maybe Zion is the move for Charlotte, but who knows? He's got his off court shit too. Yeah, um, feels it, like it if I had to make the prediction, I think Scoot's going number two just because he's. I think he's. Think he's been, most sense, man. He he's been the number two guy for much he longer than Miller was the number two guy. Yeah, he's a human anomaly away from being the number one pick. Like, <laughs> oh, what, yeah, without question. Yeah. <laughs> Like if Webby doesn't stroll his alien ass to to the U.S., Scoot's going one every every Scoot's single day of the week. Crazy comparisons right now. Yes, he's getting some crazy. If, if yeah, he, he might be criminally Webby. underrated at this point. Yeah, like yeah. Scoot's well, that's gonna, why that's I think the, and Charlotte is in a position to get a package for that second pick. Yes, they mm-hmm. are. 
And I think yeah. so, maybe maybe that's the move Charlotte's got to make. Maybe they're like, you know what? Maybe we completely Zion, baby. We get a package for that second overall pick. Give me Zion back in Carolina. What is go, going home always fixes everything, doesn't it? I'm sure he's so he'll be great. Last thing yeah. I'll say here about the draft. This is my last thought. Um, keep an eye out for the Oklahoma City Thunder. They still have so many goddamn picks. <laughs> oh my god, bro! I can't. If they really, if they traded up and got one of those guys to add to that roster next year, I, I'll f- put that finals ticket in day after the draft. I don't even care. And talk I'm about a waiting. team that knows how to draft, right? I don't chat yeah. about her, but chat. Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams were both good, and Yang was a lottery pick. I know he didn't have the biggest role, but they, they've shown. Oh, but before this goes we, all the way back. Oh yeah, they drafted no, Harden, Russ, KD, and Serge Ibaka as well. Yeah. Yep. Sam Presti yeah. knows what he's doing. I want the yeah. Thompson twins to end up there. So I think me and Steve talked about that last. That'd week. be cool. Thompsons and OKC was my dream because they got all that. We need them together. They got to go somewhere together. That's yeah, like the Morris, like the Morris like twins Morris getting drafted twins. Uh, to Phoenix. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Hey, man, I'm here for it. Um, so keep an eye out for OKC. The lottery is going to be crazy. I, I, I'm calling. I think lots of trades. I think most trades we've ever seen in the first round. Um, yeah, Thursday's going to be awesome. Yes, sir. Is that it from you guys? Any sleeper? Any sleeper guys? Any sleeper guys you like? I mean, my guy all of the last two years, or not two years ago as much, but last year, I don't know where he's going in the drafts, but I hope Marcus Carr finds himself in a good situation from Texas. I don't know why. I've just always always liked him as a point guard, always liked him as a playmaker. Um, I'm curious to see where he goes. I know it's kind of boring because he could even be a a second-round pick, but Mm – We'll see. How about you, Jake? Um, not really. I really like I, I like Cam Whitmore a lot too. It's not really a sleeper, but just later lottery, I guess. Like I think Cam Whitmore is going to be solid right away. Um, I'm looking at some of the college guys that are coming out right now. Like, does does a does a Derek Lively interest you, Steve? Do you think Lively can be like a big like? Could he be? Uh, who was I thinking of for him when I when I've seen him all year? What is this dude's name? Why Clint Capella? Could Derek Lively be Clint Capella? Because I feel like he's a guy that can kind of bounce everywhere and be like a really good defensive center right away. Uh, yeah, I, he could. I mean, we've seen kind of in previous draft classes too, defensive center actually kind of had a role, like especially the big example right away, yeah, being uh, Walker Kess- Walker Kessler for the Utah Jazz, really. And I was a guy, not that I whiffed on, but I really think he'd have the role he did this year. Definitely could. Um, it's tough to say because I, I like, I don't know. Lively to me is a lot more. Thank. Than, than other than other players um yeah and yeah. he's he's your classic he's young too right he he's, he's he's a freshman out of duke big guy i think he's seven seven one seven two like he obviously went through a good program Huge. i just lively to me is it is a weird one because i think you could almost wait a little bit if you want to get a uh i think he's going to get overdrafted because i think there's other defensive centers oh, probably. probably get in the second round to kind of play the same role if you want. Um, mm-hmm. And there's other guys too that I just, 
it, it's a, it's a weird draft class because a lot of the guys that kind of balled out in college aren't really getting the draft type they really have. Um, uh, one guy whose name that I wanted to bring up, Amani Bates, is someone. Uh, I was just going to. He's him had up an too, interesting. Yeah. He's had an interesting track record, but he's got that super, super high ceiling, and he probably won't go until the 20s. I talked about him already briefly, but Chris Murray is a guy. You want to yep. talk about you know, someone who's shown it. Chris Murray really stepped up the year after Keegan left, and we saw what Keegan did for the Sacramento Kings. Chris Murray is in that prime spot yeah. to be drafted by a team like the Sacramento Kings, where it's like, all right, we need a couple more players more to brothers. add on. He doesn't have to be the guy, and it doesn't have to be the Kings, but I'm saying a team that could use a guy like Chris Murray – who's a, a kind of a three and D guy. He's going to stretch the floor. He's going to play good defense for you. He's going to hit his open shots and he's got length too. I think Murray is six, six foot nine or something like that. So you look at guys like that and then you can just go, you can go down the list. You have smaller guards, Sasser, Isaiah Wong, Miami and yeah. Houston guys like that. Who, hey, Amari, Amari Bailey, high, another high, Amari Bailey. high recruit who didn't yes. get as much playing time last year as that you thought, you know, maybe he's a guy like there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of guys in that low first, second round range that were, there are a couple, there's at least a couple of them that were really high ranked five-star high four-star guys that just didn't pan out first two years. And there's a lot of teams that take chances on those guys with the pedigree and are just like, maybe it was a bad situation. A lot of smart teams that do that. And those kinds of guys work out. And I feel like Bailey, when yeah. you mentioned Bates earlier, he was my number one thought about that. Like a guy, all the talent in the world. I mean, if, if someone can figure out what to do with him, he might pop off. Like, yeah, there's, it's going to be interesting to see this. This class is just so, as we've talked about, just so, it's it's gonna be wide open. It's gonna be someone in the second round is gonna be one of the biggest stars. One hundred percent. I I. Well, all right. I think that'll do it, guys. We'll we'll see it Thursday night for the NBA draft. We'll we'll see Wemby. Hopefully, maybe he's wearing maybe he's wearing a little Spurs suit action on the court. Well. Well, he, well, he should just have the jersey off. He should just yeah. have the jersey off. Yep, just have it ready. <laughs> just ready, dude. Everyone well, since Suits Webby's got the Spurs number one pick jersey yep. on. What a move that would be. Bug it. <laughs> that would be unreal. All right, guys. For Steve, Jake, myself, follow Trainwreck Sports. Follow us on all socials at Happy Hour Hoops One. Uh, and tune into to our Twitter on a Thursday because we'll be uh, we'll be updating as the draft goes along and should be a wild ride. Get ready for all these trades during the lottery, folks. Have a good night. Peace.